Hi, and welcome to the Stories from the Run podcast. I'm Peter Schwing, and I'll be your host for today's program. Stories from the Run is a podcast and community comprised of conversations with runners of all ages and abilities. You'll hear accounts from runners about overcoming challenges, setting personal bests, humorous and sometimes embarrassing circumstances, and tales of the PR that got away. We have a very special guest for you today, and we're going to talk about marathoning, sports nutrition, and a few other things along the ride. So as we like to say, let's get to it. State your name and any club affiliation for the record, please. My name is Tara Mardigan and Bedstive Flyers. Hey, hey, Tara. Great to see Hi. you. How you doing? How was your week? I, I'm well. Uh, I'm actually upstate right now. I'm at my parents' house. It's the first time I've seen them in quite a while. So that's it's uh, it's great to be here. Everybody getting fully vaccinated and being able to hug each other. Yep, we went right uh, for it. It was fun. <laughs> oh, so. that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, are you are you near the mountains? Are you going to get any like uh, get some uh, trails and elevation in there for a good run this week? Mm, um, well, no, I'm I'm in the Albany area, so I guess that's a little bit more elevation than <laughs> than, uh, than Central Brooklyn. But um, yeah, no, we're not we're not going to be going to the Adirondacks just yet. That's it's a little bit chilly up there for the for the camp. Okay, not so. yet. It's not not ready for it's not ready for prime time running weather just yet. No, I mean I think it's probably it's probably beautiful during the day, but sleeping without heat and without running water is a little rough yet. So at night. Right. So, you know, we're going to talk uh, about nutrition. We're going to talk about running, marathoning. We're talking about a lot of things. But what I really like to do is, you know, I, I love to be able to set a foundation for our listeners to, you know, know more a little bit about you. So, you know, is there anything kind of like one of those fun, non-running things about you that, you know, you want to share to the world? Because, you know, the entire world is listening. <laughs> Uh, I guess, uh, some people may not know, but I, uh, I love jazz. Um, I don't know where that, that passion came from. I mean, it's not like everybody in my family are huge jazz heads. It's just, it's something that I, that I can't explain, but I, um, I am a huge jazz fan. I go to Newport jazz festival every year. Um, with the exception of 2020, of course, and yeah, I guess that's a that's a fun fact that maybe not everybody knows about me. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of people saying I go every year with the exception of 2020, like 2020. Needs yeah, to have, yeah. <laughs> it needs to have the asterisk after it. <laughs> yeah, well, I would have I would have gone if it was, you know, even if like one if there was one act, I still would have showed up. But um, yeah, that's just my love of of Newport jazz festival right so so like when you were younger i'm is is uh running been something you were doing since a kid since high school you know when did you start hmm. running hmm uh i and so no not not when i was a a kid i mean i guess yes and no so i was a gymnast growing up and also a soccer player so i suppose <laughs> i suppose you have to run for both of those sports, but um, not in the sense of running, you know, running distance or running um, more than I needed to, so to speak. Wind um, sprints. Yeah, yeah. So and and for gymnastics, I mean, you just have to sprint for vault, right? You don't need to 
uh, you don't need to to run mileage. The the first time I started running um, longer distance was probably in uh, I'm gonna guess around 2000 when I I was living in Boston and um, I just remember the gym that I belonged to had a running uh, running club and I I think I was just bored of being inside. And exercising inside, so I showed up to one of the Friday night runs, and I really thought I was I was going to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, I, I was a I was a competitive gymnast, and so I felt like I needed to run super fast, and that was a very humbling experience because it was a a loop around the Charles, and I mean, I think it was probably a four mile run, and I I I was like I I, <laughs> I can remember it clearly that this was like one of the hardest things I've ever done. And then I realized, oh, there's actually, you know, you kind of have to work your way up to this type of thing. So. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, after 2020, I have to work my way back up to running some miles. But one thing you said when you were like running and for the vault, I remember it was like in grade school and we had like the gymnastics, they would have the gymnastics, uh, gym period for like a month or two uh-huh. and i remember ru- i wanted to try i thought running faster meant you could go higher on the vault what i found out <laughs> was running faster just means you run into the vault faster <laughs> you could have gone under <laughs> i think i was i think i was a little too tall at that point it was just like i hit yeah, the springboard and just like smashed right into it oh gosh that's terrible. Yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> I think I cried. <laughs> I, I was I was in fourth grade. I cried. Uh, so, so about nutrition. So when you got into running around 2000, but was nutrition something that you were always interested in? You know, how did you get into mm-hmm. that and why? Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I, let's see, in, as a gymnast, I was always interested in um, how, how food would affect I guess performance and just how I, you know, how I, how I, how my energy was as a, as a gymnast. Uh, so I was kind of informally interested in sports nutrition without even realizing it. Um, at the same time, I think gymnastics ha- you know, has always been, and, and unfortunately probably always will be a sport where you're judged on appearance. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, body image issues and messages of, you know, you have to be a certain thinness and a certain body type. And, and I didn't always, um, you know, I, I was, wasn't always fitting into those, those norms. Um, and so for me, it became, well, what tools can I use to be the best athlete that I can be? And I think it just, I was very interested in, in food and I loved food. And, um, so I think from, from that point of view in high school, maybe, uh, that's when the the interest started in nutrition, and I did start college. I, I from day one, I was a dietetics major, so um, I'm not one of those career changers. You know, I started in nutrition and dietetics from a very young age, so to speak, like right from undergrad. Um, so I think my my background as an athlete was what made me interested. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because it's about taking care of yourself. And it's great that you were introduced to it at a young age. You know, and, you know, I understand, like, you know, the body issues and just, you know, as a side note, I just saw in the news something earlier today that in Germany, they were they uh, 
uh, came out with like a new like leotard for gymnasts. And that's what this big display oh, yeah. was all about because like, you know, the over sexualization of gymnasts and like all the attire. And now they're saying, you know, the leotard is just going to be the next thing. And then people are saying, well, it's like restrictive. You can't you can't do all the routines or it might help them by extra adding extra springiness to them. Of course, you know, there's going to be two sides of all the coins there. Mm hmm. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah, so we'll have to yeah. wait to the Olympics to sing. All right, so y'all, you know, we got a little background there, and let's talk running. Let let's let's have some fun. I mean, <laughs> talking about like we, it's stories from the run is the podcast, so it's story time here. And okay. you know, we always like to start with like, what was your worst race or one of those races that you're like, uh. Uh, yeah, exactly. That makes you go that. <laughs> Oh gosh. Uh, I, I guess the, uh, the worst one, just because the podiatry bill that accompanied it was outrageous <laughs> was, um, New York city marathon, 2019. Um, I, I don't even know where to begin, but I was having a decent race ironically. I mean, how many stories start like that? Right. Of course. <laughs> but um, the first mile was great. <laughs> yes. The first mile was great. No, I, I had, I actually had a, an overall decent race. I had, I was having a good time, not necessarily time, uh, you know, Garmin time, but I was, I was fine. And then, um, I got to the Bronx and I, I mean, I'm, I can't make this up, but I am a nutritionist that tripped on a banana peel <laughs> in the Bronx. So uh, I did this, this incredible cartoon-like um, stutter step to not fall. And it was on the Third Ave Bridge. So there was a down, it was at a downhill. And I had picked up some, you know, some, some good speed there. And I prevented myself from falling because I thought if I fell, I might not get back up. And in doing that, although it sounds great that I didn't fall, I really traumatized my toes. Mm. Um, many of them, like almost all of them, I think maybe three were spared. Um, so I, you know, you can just imagine like jamming your feet into your, into your sneakers, like at full force. Um, and I remember the guy that was running next to me said, oh my God, I can't believe that you're still upright. And I looked at him and I said, I can't either, but I actually wish that I fell because I, I immediately knew that I had really messed myself up. So the last six miles, 6.2 miles were just like, I, I don't, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And so that's why it's the last race. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's the worst race. <laughs> I well, guess it was the last race too. Well, well when it comes um, to any marathon though, it's like you just said, you don't remember the last six miles. I think that's just with any marathon in general. Like once you get to mile 20, all bets are off and you're like, I have no idea how I did the last 6.2. I know. I, I mean, I do remember getting on the train after that and eventually getting on the, getting on the C train after that. And I think I must've looked so, I looked so out of sorts that people like, you know, usually you see the, the, the blue, um, the blue marathon, um, blanket. What am I? Uh, heat shields. The yeah. The, the, heat. the heat shields, the space, the space blankets, as we call them. 
No, no, the the um the poncho. Oh, oh the, the poncho. Pon- oh, the poncho. Okay, yeah. All right, that one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the poncho, which you know, either the heat shield or the poncho, and you see that, and you're like, oh, let this person sit down on the train, you know. And I just remember, like, there wasn't anybody like wondering if they should let me sit. They were like, oh, you need to sit. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I guess that was my worst race. It was just a. You know, it's unfortunate because you put so much time and effort and energy into the training for it. And then you have one misstep, literally. Um, but, you you know, you learn all along the way that that that's OK. Like there's it, it's it's about getting there, too. That's important. Yeah. And, and you know, with the races, I, and I, I can you know, I, I feel your pain in two senses that I, I didn't slip on a banana, but water cups near the water aid stations it is Mm -hmm. that's like enter with caution because you know those crushed cups and it's wet slippery but uh and feeling your pain literally is because i've done trail running in the mountains and i have stubbed my toe where it's like i smashed into a boulder and (sighs) like you know you're miles into a mountain and there's no way off that mountain except walking or running so i've i've uh, definitely curled my toes in the wrong direction Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, glad, I'm glad you could. I, I just, all I remember was I, I Googled, you know, I said, mm, I better just see what I should do here. And it said, if you don't get to the doctor within, I forget if it was 72 hours or something, then, you know, the pressure can build up and it can be all sorts of infection. I'm like, ah, <laughs> so <laughs> I told my boss, I'm like, I think I need to go to the podiatrist right now. She's like, yes, go. Go. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that, that, that's your worst race. Now, what we like to do is like, you know, flip the script and let's talk about your best race or the one you're most proud of. Yeah. Um, so I, it's funny, this Staten Island 2018, uh, was, um, it, it was, it, that was my best race. I had no plan for it to even be a race. It was a, 20 mile day because I was running to the race and then doing the, um, the half. And it just ended up being a, a really like, it was just a great race. You know, I PR'd, I didn't intend to even race it. Um, so I guess that was probably my best race. Um, it was just a really fun day. Like the photos from that day were fun. Everything about it was great. And I, and I, but I don't think I looked at my watch at all. Like it was just one of those, just get the mileage in, just get time on your feet. Who cares what happens? And I, that, that for me has been a really important lesson that, um, you know, that and also 2018 New York city marathon, the same thing. I didn't have any time expectation. I just wanted to go and have fun and, uh, get the work done. You know, not, I knew it was going to be tough, but those, those did, teach me a lot about myself and that sometimes I just get too worked up about what the time needs to be and and instead just feeling good as I'm running. Yeah. That, that's a big thing. It's, you hear a lot about, you know, you get into the flow state and also you weren't really planning on racing it, but you were training. You were, it was supposed to be a 20 mile training run for the marathon. And sometimes you just get into that flow state and you're like, Hey, I'm just going to go out and you're feeling good. You have strong legs, you have great cardio and you just get into that zone. And, you know, but, but 2018, was that the storm year at Staten Island? Mm, no, I don't think so. Oh, oh wait. Oh no. no, I, no. Okay. 
Tw- so 2017, 2017 Staten Island half marathon will yes, go I down in that. the books. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. the worst. We ran that in pretty much of a, hur- a hurricane. It was the hurricane yeah, Matthew. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. And I accidentally did two half. I That was my first year of like really running where I was starting to get like start getting to competitive. And mm-hmm. uh, well, not competitive in the sense that I was going to beat anybody. But I accidentally signed up for two half marathons on the same weekend. And it was my first Ooh. half marathons. Yeah, I signed up for, uh, I forgot what the marathon was. It was on Saturday. It was beautiful, sunny. And I got to Staten Island. It was like 50 mile an hour gusts, torrential downpour. Uh, the pot- streets were flooded. And I just remember we just had that, I survived. It's like We were going to make t-shirts like Staten Island 2017, never forget. <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember the water up to like mid-calf towards yep. the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So. That is, uh, yeah, that wasn't the one that I was speaking of, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a much better year the following year. So, mm-hmm. so one of the, you know, the other things, you know, we like to do the big story. What is the one that really stood out for you that meant a uh, lot to you that, you know, that you, you're, you're sitting down like this, you're hanging around like, you know, a campfire and you're like, yeah. this is, this is the, this is the run. This is the story of the run that I wanted to share. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think it has to be. So Boston Marathon 2004 was when it was like 94 degrees. That was memorable. Ooh, I got yes. through it. Um, you know, the day before was like, I don't know, 35 degrees. And then the day of the marathon, it was the the bank clock said 92 degrees. So that was nuts. But But I'm going to choose a different one. I'm going to choose Boston Marathon 2005. Um, at the time I was working as a dietitian at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston and also with the Boston Red Sox. So I worked part-time at both places. And, um, one of, one of my patients, uh, this has been, this has been written about, um, in the Boston Globe and in many of the, the news, the news media picked this up, but, one of my patients uh, was diagnosed with stage four throat cancer, very aggressive mm-hmm. cancer, very aggressive treatment for that cancer, which is both chemotherapy and um, radiation. And so radiation for that type of cancer is, um, I guess the best way to describe it is like it, it leaves you so that you can't, you really can't swallow. Um, you know, your throat is like third degree burns and in, in just you can't swallow enough so that you can sustain yourself. So they automatically um, place feeding tubes in the stomachs for the patients that have those, the aggressive uh, head and neck cancers. So this gentleman, Bill Coulter, a marathon runner, uh, gets this, you know, very, uh, very aggressive cancer. And he says to, to the oncology team, he says, I, uh, I'm going to run the Boston marathon. I run it every year. And they said, you can't, you're going to be in the middle of chemo radiation. You're, you're going to be profoundly sick. You're not going to be able to do it. And he said, I don't care what you say. I'm doing it. So I just need to, you guys need to know that I'm doing it. And I'll never forget. I was covering for the dietitian that normally works with him. And the oncologist, Dr. Posner, Marshall Posner said, well, if you're doing it, we're doing it. And so <laughs> right on. Yeah. Sure enough, we uh we ended up 
we ended up doing the the 2005 Boston Marathon accompanying Billy um who you know his fastest marathon I think was he was a he's a sub 3 guy so he was incredibly fit you know marathon runner this was this was going to be his 25th consecutive Boston um and I just, it's an important race for this reason. We started together. He refused to start in the way back. I mean, you have to understand he lost, mm-hmm. I think at this point he had lost like about 55 pounds. I, I think I role, read somewhere he was like 143 or something. Yeah. He was very, very wow. thin. And I, I mean, not even just like the, if you looked at him, he looked like a, a modern day, um, marathon runner like that you know that very very lean lean build but you know he was down about 55 pounds from his usual and just that rapid weight loss um is you know makes your immune you're very immune compromised plus treatment so this was a this was a big deal to make sure he he did it wisely so i was in charge of his nutrition so what that meant was during the race i'm the one that had to basically inject, you know, Gatorade and nutrition into his feeding tube with this syringe, like this big clunky syringe. So wait, so he uh, ran with the feeding tube in his stomach? Yeah. I mean, they, they place the feeding tubes in these patients because for this treatment period, they're not able to swallow, like they just can't. So you bypass the swallow and you feed through the stomach. Does it affect, like, since he can't swallow, does that also affect, like, breathing or any other, like, Yeah, I mean, it can. Wow. Yeah, he can't take any liquids in. I mean, he can take sips, but he can't, like, it's it's like having an incredibly um, sore throat is the best way to describe it. Like, you Mm -hmm. just cannot get, you can't pass food or fluids. So, my job was to make sure that he stopped, um, you know, every, I think we did every two miles um, to make sure he got his nutrition in. And I remember at, (laughs) I remember at one time he's like, I don't want any more. And I'm like, too bad. You're getting it. (laughs) Like, you know, it's so at first we were very discreet about it and we were kind of like going behind the water stations and like off into the woods a little bit and doing it so that people weren't like, what are they doing? And then towards the end, we were just like, you know, forget it, just do it. (laughs) it, At that point, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But like Billy was so connected with the BAA and he was a state trooper that he, um, you know, he knew like he was he was um, uh, Johnny Kelly's uh, bodyguard running the the marathon. Like this guy was. Yeah, he had some really fun. uh, He had some fun stories. But, um, you know, he he was just like, look, we're going to do it. The goal is to do under six hours. And. If we're a little bit over six, don't worry. They're going to keep the clock running. You know, he he was that connected, <laughs> but we did it in, I think, five. I think we did it like 540 or something. Right like, on. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, uh, it was, I mean, can you imagine like you're a sub three marathoner and then, you know, you are told that you can't do this and he's like, no, nah, I'm doing it. So that was a really proud, you know, I would say that was probably a, a, a proud race for me because it was it was really making sure that this guy got through safely so and, and that that's part of the team that that's part of the people supporting each other and that, that that's so amazing and just wonderful and i you know i read an article in the news on him i think it might have been the one you sent me when i was reading it uh i guess he was back in the hospital and one of the nurses came up to him 
and she started reading the chart and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I have, I have, I think I have the wrong chart. Somebody with the same name. I'm sorry about that. Cause this patient said they just, the patient ran a marathon like a month ago and he goes, no, no, <laughs> that, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was really special. I'm, I'm sad to say that he passed away. Huh. Uh, he passed away in the fall of 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, an incredible, like if, if you, if anybody knows, you know, people at the BAA or the Massachusetts state police, they would know Billy Coulter. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what, what a tough, tough person. I mean, how many marathons did you say he ran? Uh, I think that was his 25th consecutive, but he was also an Ironman. I mean, he was like, you know, he was a, I, I can't remember how many he, he had done at that point, but, and then he did them after too. Like he, I think he ran up until he, he, um, until he passed away. Uh, that that's character. I mean, that's, that's an Ironman right there. It, whether he ever did an Ironman, he's an Ironman just as a person. So and, Absolutely. You know, ha and yep. ha hats off to you for being part of that team and helping them out. And, you know, but, and that kind of segues into, you know, we talk about nutrition there and the, and what you were doing and, you know, the, this, we're talking about running stories and we're talking about sports nutrition. So let's kind of like, you know, move into this area where it's like, I, I have, I have one question. I, the first question, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I have many questions. I have like, I have so many questions, but what, let, let's get this one out of the way. What do you think is the biggest fitness and nutrition myth? Mm, for runners? Or uh, just, just uh, fitness, uh, nutrition? Yeah, fitness and uh, nutrition in general. Oh, good. I can't wait. Um, I would say. <laughs> is this a trick I question? Would say, this, is, this is not a trick question. I would say the number one thing that I hear is that carbohydrates make you fat. That, I mean, I'm just going to say that because that's, I think that's so misunderstood. Carbohydrates and sitting on your ass make you fat. Well, there you go. But <laughs> when I, I mean, when I'm working with, with sports, when I'm working in sports nutrition, I'm like, and, and even, I mean, gosh, even people who aren't, you know, doing lots of running or, or athletics, it's still like, there's so many things that carbohydrates can, can help us with. It's all in the context of, you know, what else are you eating? <laughs> so I think that's probably the number one myth that kind of keeps creeping in. Well, well, then that would lead into, you know, running, you know, people say, you know, I'm running to lose weight. And that is a different type of, I guess we can say diet or, and also then there's running for endurance. I mean, Running for endurance, for speed, for competitiveness, for distance. I mean, you need your carbs, but then there's running mm -hmm. to lose weight. And, you know, I, I hear and we've seen people they are like, I, I'm running to lose weight. They go run a 5K at a you know comfortable pace. And then it's the bacon double cheeseburger with the side of fries and a chocolate milkshake. And they say, <laughs> well, I just ran five kilometers. I just did a 5K and therefore now I can, you know, I can splurge. And it's like, well, that's not how it works if you're running to lose weight. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, so many times people will tell me that they're, uh, they're going to sign up for a marathon because they want to lose weight. And I will always, I will always say, you know, I, just so you know, that's probably not going to happen. Like that should, that should not be 
why you run a marathon. You know, that's, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> I, I think the question might be, why should, why should you, or why do, would you want to run a marathon? How many times have we crossed that line and said, or like at mile 22, like, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but so I, we tie everything to weight um, and that's part of, you know, that's part of diet culture, which is so pervasive. I think I work really hard to try to get at least the clients that I work with to get them to have a, a relationship that's, that's not so, that's not tied with weight, not tied with the number on the scale. That's my gosh, I actually felt really energetic and strong today, you know, like having conversations with how you're feeling as opposed to what the number on the scale is and, and just being so tied to that. It's really interesting when you ask people to tell you about what foods make you feel good, you know, energy wise. Um, it's, it's a whole different thing. So it's, you know, it's really working from a paradigm of intuitive eating as opposed to uh, more common diet culture. And I think we're starting to see, uh, we're starting to see more sports dietitians working in that in that area, which is good, which is refreshing. So. Right on. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, you know, and kind of tying this into where we were over a year ago and many people, uh, you know, so, some people doubled down on their running during the lockdown. Others got out of their groove and maybe weren't, you know, they might've relied on clubs and group runs to keep, you know, keep them going. And they, had that taken away from them and they didn't, they kind of fell off the running wagon a little bit. And then they also fell off the healthy eating wagon or just better eating. And, you know, we all turn to, you know, comfort in that time of the pandemic and saying like, you know, comfort was in the form of, Hey, I'm just going to binge watch everything that on Netflix <laughs> or the other is that, you know, if you were still working, it was, you were, you know, now sitting just at your, you know, your commute to the office was 10 feet from your bed to the chair hunched over in front of a computer and you weren't yeah. getting out and you weren't even just, you weren't getting close to even 10,000 steps of walking and your Fitbit missed you and was, was just yelling mm -hmm. move. But then we also turned to comfort food and, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, you look back and we have to first realize and say to ourselves, I am not the person I was a year ago because you're not. Mm -hmm. But that goes right. for any year. This just happened to be a more challenging year. And now many people are saying it's like, you know, it's tough for me to get going against. How do I get back into the groove? So, like, you know, coming out of the pandemic, as we start to see things opening up, you know, what what is your advice? What kind of, you know inspiration what what would you say to people about getting back into running getting trying to get back into the healthier lifestyle and we still have plenty of time for summer so you know <laughs> you can go do it it's almost like starting from a couch to 5k for some of us <laughs> yeah yeah um i I, th I think what's hard is is that we tend to runners are are tend to be competitive or type a folks who you know it's hard to not compare your current self to where you may have been. Um, you know, I, I know I've myself, I've been getting frustrated when I like, I just can't seem to run faster for me right now. And then, and then I finally just say, okay, you know what, that's just where I'm at right now. It's okay. Um, it'll come or it won't, but, 
Um, what I think what I would say is, is just really encourage people to pick, um, maybe one, just one thing to focus on for say, say for a week, like maybe you settle in on, okay, I'm going to try to get a fruit or a vegetable at, you know, lunch every day this week. Like just take something super tangible that almost seems like it's, you know, this is so easy. It's not even worth it. No, that that's where you make progress is you just, you know, you get your feet, your feet firmly planted in something that you can repeat and do it over. And, and I think we're also very, um, we're used to with nutrition, at least being very reductionistic, like what you can't have, you know, I like to focus on what you can have and, um, and really come at it from that angle. Um, to me, that's a lot more fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and I think, periodically resetting goals. Like when I work with my private clients, I have this thing where I call it, um, it's, it's called just five and we goal set around five different areas, uh, nourishment, movement, stillness, self, and others. So when people are working with me on nutrition, like maybe they're trying to improve, um, you know, their marathon time or their training for something, I will often talk to them in sessions about, yeah, we'll, we'll come up with some tweaks for food. Um, but we will also talk about a movement goal, you know, maybe that's something related to their training plan. We will talk about something related to stillness. So that could be, um, that might be, uh, you know, relaxation that might be, um, some restorative yoga poses. It'll be something very specific that they're going to try to do each week. Then also self. So self could be you sitting on the couch and reading People magazine or watching something on Netflix, something that feels pretty indulgent um, that you might think, well, well, how can that possibly relate to my nutrition or my health? And it does. Um, And lastly is something for others. So, you know, that might be you write a snail mail thank you to your mom, you know, so something that relates to um, uh, thinking of someone else. Maybe it's a gratitude offering. But when you when you start working on those other areas, you actually really improve upon, you know, it's a more holistic approach, but you usually improve upon the nutrition goal that you set out for. I, I love that others, because you're changing your mindset and it's not, it has nothing to directly do with running or nutrition. It's the indirect that the effect it has that flows over everything. So mm-hmm. it's an, yeah. And I love that because you are as a person as a whole, you're not just a runner. You're not just, uh, you know, a healthy eater. You're not just what you do for a living. So everything really does affect you as a being. So I, I really, yep. I really love that. Um, you know, I, okay. and I love the reset goals and, you know, I, I also heard the other day, somebody said, you know, it's okay if you have like that off day or it's, and, but like, try not to have two days in a row of it. So say if you're like, you, you're like, I'm not, you know, I'm getting out of bed late. Uh, I'm not going to exercise. I'm not going to run. And I am going to go eat an entire pizza to myself the next day. Don't repeat that. Just make sure you force yourself out not to repeat it because habits uh, are really tough to break and change. And so they said, like, you know, don't go for the pint of Ben and Jerry's the next day and like get one back in place. Like if you if you're having that bad day again, it's like you're in that rut. 
It's like, okay, you got out of bed late and you didn't go mm-hmm. exercise. Don't eat the pizza. Like focus on one. And I love that, how you break it down into like, take one thing and focus on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. Right. So <laughs> just, just really try to get traction in one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I, I think what you're saying too, like today, I, uh, I, again, I'm not in Brooklyn right now. I'm in, um, upstate. And so I missed the pizza coven run, which is our Thursday run. Um, <laughs> but I thought for sure in solidarity, I will get up and I will run at six 30. Like I had all the plans to do this. Um, just as I was, mim- you know, mimicking what bed flyers was doing and, uh, six, you know, six became six, 10 became six twenty, became six thirty, And I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing mm-hmm. it. And then I started my work day and I thought, okay, I'll go, at, you know, I'll go at noon and noon. I look outside the window and it's downpouring. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not running today. <laughs> so um, I laugh because I'm thinking about what you're, what you just said. And I'm like, all right, so I need to get up tomorrow and get myself going. Cause I, I didn't realize how powerful the support of others mm-hmm. um for me and my running. And usually I don't mind running alone. I, I like it sometimes because I'm always usually running with people. But today uh, uh, I needed everybody else. And I didn't just need the thought of them. I needed them. <laughs> so, um, And yeah, that happens, I think. Yeah, I, I know that. And that's the thing that happened with a lot of people uh, to even just bring this full circle is when we started uh, the segment here was just about that the the fact of the motivation and the fact of running together the community aspect of it that really helps support each other and the the mindset of like you know something it's raining but others are going to be there so i don't want to be the one that doesn't show up or i'm leading the run i have mm-hmm. to be there it's about showing up and to so you know to wrap you know tara this is this has been a fantastic conversation thank you so much i, I want to wrap up you know speaking of community this kind of ties into let, let's talk about let's close out on bed flyers i mean you started bed flyers yeah i did yes yeah. um you i and you Uh, you couldn't have said it better because for me, it's super easy to get out of bed and go there because I have to, you know, whereas because I'm leading it. (laughs) So it's almost just built in uh, and I love it. But when it it was an interesting experience today, I'm like, huh, I don't have to be there. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I really, really appreciate the community and I'm so thankful for the people that have been showing up and certainly during the pandemic, um, you know, when things were really scary, we, uh, we said, well, we're going to do it, you know, safe and, and we're going to create a system of communication that if anybody is, you know, if anybody is sick, they, they let us know and we communicate, but, um, yeah, we, we were, we were there for the community, um, through the pandemic, uh, safely. So, uh, and we continue to be so that, that, you know, we're not, we're not this big flashy group, but we are one thing that I will say we are is, uh, consistent. Yeah. And, and if any bed flyers are out there listening right now or hear this later, if, uh, it's raining some morning or snowing or something like that, or, you know, Tara might be tired, make sure you send her that text message saying, get out of bed, go do it. No, that's the thing, Pete. I, they don't need to unless I'm alone by myself in the Adirondacks or upstate. I'm that's what I was getting fine at. If it's, 
if it's leading and it's yeah. horrible and I'm the only one that shows up, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, All right. Yeah. Hey, Tara, thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you or bed- find out more about Bedside Flyers? Sure. So uh, Instagram for me is at the plate coach, um, the plate that you eat off of coach. <laughs> and um, Bedside Flyers is at Bedside Flyers. Right on. Bedstyflyers.com. Or oh, that's yes, the Instagram. And, yep. Don't you have a website? Yep, we do. Yeah. It's uh, bedstyflyers.com. Yep. Bedstyflyers.com. All right. Thank you so much. And for everybody that is here on the app, we're just going to like close this out. And when we come, when you, after you hear the music, we're going to open it up for Q&A. So if there's something you want to ask Tara about running, nutrition, anything, uh, right, uh, you can raise your hand or uh, it's press that plus sign for the speakers button and uh, we'll bring you on up. But if not, thank you so much, Tara. And uh, just Hang up for a little bit, a little bit longer, and we're going to be right back. And once again, thank you to everybody for tuning in. You can, this is Stories from the Run. I'm Peter Schwinney. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Stories from the Run, or visit our website, storiesfromtherun.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. We're going to be doing a lot more of these podcasts coming by. We are on Apple, we're on Spotify, and we're on Fireside. Yeah. All right. And on the website, there's something you also can apply to be a guest on one of our programs because every runner has a story and we'd like to hear yours. And that's going to be it for today. And once again, thank you so much.